This is the Kavnis HR Podcast, and we want you to be great every day. Join us as we transform the human resources outsourcing industry while we talk to small business owners, founders, and people in tech, startup, and HR spaces. Now, please welcome your host, Jason Kavnis. Hello, and welcome to Kavnis HR Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Kavnis. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com, cabinetshr.com. Our guest today on the podcast is Wayne Sutton. Wayne, are you ready to be great today? I'm do the best I can. Wayne Sutton is a serial entrepreneur and co-founder of Change Catalyst and its tech inclusion programs. Change Catalyst builds inclusive tech ecosystems through strategic advising, startup programs, and resources, and a series of events around the globe. Wayne's experience includes years of establishing partnerships with large brands to early-stage startups. As a leading voice in diversity and inclusion in tech, Wayne shares his thoughts on solutions and culture in various media outlets, where he has been featured in TechCrunch, USA Today, and the Wall Street Journal. In addition to mentoring and advising early-stage startups, Wayne's life goal is to educate entrepreneurs who are passionate about using technology to change the world. Wayne, you are taking on a very important mission right there, and thank you for that. Thank you. So, Wayne, what's keeping you busy right now? Wow. Two, three things. Self-care, my own personal self-care in terms of fitness, mental stability, meditation, working out, being happy. I'm putting a lot of emphasis and work on that this year. Um, the second is the, I work with Change Catalyst and Tech Inclusion, working to um, right now planning Tech Inclusion New York, San Francisco, and some other client projects focused on creating inclusive tech ecosystem. And the third thing is my motorcycle. I have a Ducati Scrambler I got earlier this year. And that's my hobby, my fun, my pastime, mapping out ride, routes along the Highway 1 California coastline and just enjoying the outdoors. I'm sure there's a lot of great motorcycle riding in your area, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's it's very, very beautiful and scenic area nearby. Like 20, go 20 minutes and you're in a whole nother world. Wayne, why is there so much talk about diversity and inclusion of tech? And do other industries put this most focus on because the tech industry does? Yeah, yeah, great question. Um, right now, the, the, the focus on diversity inclusion, it, it really started a couple of years ago when Google released their diversity numbers in 2014, even though Intel released their diversity numbers before that. But it really highlighted the inequities around the demographics of tech industry. And so it created this huge kind of like emotional, intellectual dialogue that has now just like continues to bump heads was one historically the tech industry said oh it's a meritocracy it's anyone can be in tech equal opportunity equal for anyone to create wealth or build a product and change the world and those diversity numbers highlighted that that is clearly not true if it was the workforce would be different and then you add that to now being also more emphasis on the data around a lack of funding going to black women in, in terms of entrepreneurship. Like it's like 0.2%. It's like only 27, 28 women, black women in the world, or in America at least, who raise more than a million dollars. And then you go to lack of funding towards the Latinx community or the African-American community as a whole. And there's not even data on other communities to quantify. So there's also this huge data, this huge amounts of data that shows that if you're not a white male, basically you're not receiving any capital to basically launch the next X, the next whatever, right? So something's wrong. And we can't sit back and say that, oh, people are just not qualified. Humans you know, who are different, come from different backgrounds or have a different skin color or sexual orientation, that they are just not good as anyone else to create 
the next Google, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snap, or whatever. And there is some serious inequities. There's racism, sexism, harassment. So you have this data. You have all this emotional, intellectual conversation that is bumping heads with the, the norm of pattern matching and hiring and venture capital um, that has really created this dynamic movement and emotional movement to say that diversity and inclusion in tech is a problem and we need to do something about it to solve it because it just continued with the inequities, historical inequities in America particularly. And no, not a lot of other industries are having this conversation. Some of the other industries have you know, done things that not necessarily maybe better, but has tried to tackle the lack of diversity in roles, such as the NFL with the Rooney Rule, where they have to interview at least one diverse or underrepresented candidate for a head coaching job um, because that wasn't happening in the league. And then you take the the medical industry and then the, the legal industry. You get some of the industries where it's just as bad or worse and they're not even touching it. Like the, the entertainment industry where right now you have the Me Too movement, which is super strong, needs to stay to the forefront, but is having even touched the overall diversity. Com- what they just now start to have more of a diversity conversation, like the success of Black Panther and some new directors like Ava and Ryan Coogler come along. So we have a long way to do to become better humans in every industry across the globe. Wayne, I, I want to say I remember a few years ago, and I can't remember the companies, but there was a chief of diversity officer who was a white male who went from one big-time tech company to another one. It's like a big deal made out of it. Oh, he's a new tech you know, diversity guy. But the stat show at his own company, nothing had changed. And I was always thought, why is this, this is a big celebration that you bring a, t- a, you know, a white male diversity? There was nothing wrong with that, but the stats people the last job and the same job, nothing improved. Well, I, can't remember the, I can't remember the name of the company. So. Yeah, um, I know there was a lot of conversation around that role at Twitter when they hired a, a white male. He, we knew that he, he was part of the LGBTQTIA community. So he, uh, that doesn't mean he was not qualified. I, I believe that if you are a, a good human, who has the experiences and empathy and the intellectual uh, ability to understand what inclusion means and the value of diversity for that particular company and for that particular industry, I believe you can do this role. You can do this work. It doesn't matter what race, gender, sexual orientation, it doesn't matter. If you are a good human who has these qualities of empathy, compassion, and the intellectual capabilities and the experience, you can do the role. It doesn't because it, it, it's the same. It's the same argument. Like, okay, is the tech industry meritocracy, or you know, are you being racist, sexist towards anyone? Right? Like, we we should not be looking at someone's identity, or like say, oh, I'm black, so of course I can play basketball. That's the same thing, right? Or you say, oh, I'm a woman, of course I can do a job that most women are stereotyped in right that's not right so to say someone is a white male they can't do diversity is not right now the question comes in is you take a industry and a business that is say predominantly market to african-americans their user base is crazy diverse but in america a crazy diverse across across the world but in america their user base could be 40 50 percent african-american and you could take their growth is primarily African-American or Latin, Latin community. And you look at this person's history and say, well, they may, be, they may have done work on diversity and inclusion, but their work may not be done. They may not have done much work towards the two communities for that business. And they don't have the experience. 
And there's someone else who's more qualified who has that experience working with African-American community, communities if that's their target customer base. And you look at that and say, is this person the best person for the job? And you can argue that maybe not. Regardless of what skin color or, or race or gender, maybe not. And that's where, as humans, we need to take a step back and look at things intellectually and not so much with emotion as we argue and use social platforms to debate around how we feel like what should be done, right? Because you take this white individual, white male for a diversity role, and they are doing work with historical black colleges, they're doing work with, you know, United Negro College Foundation, or they're doing work with 100 Black Men, or, or work with Project Diane, with Catherine Finney, and they're doing work with BET. And if the customer base is primary African-American, and they're doing all these partnerships and work with African-American communities, then it's like, oh, yeah, they have this experience. They qualify. They can do it. Is this one better? Maybe, maybe not. But they have the experience. They can do the job. Yes, those are great points, Wayne. So, Wayne, like yourself, I'm also an introvert. I'm wondering, how have you, have you used being an introvert to help you succeed? Yeah, a great question also. Like, I just started embracing life as an introvert the past maybe, I think, three years. And I really didn't know what an introvert was before. I really didn't process life as an introvert. I always knew that I used to like going to coffee shops and working in a corner by myself or like going to a corner. If I go to a tech event, I'm sitting in the back, uh, can get closed off, even though I may like getting on stage, speaking at a conference or hosting my own conference for thousands of people. I'm not shy by any means. So a lot of people get that confused to think that introvertness and shyness are the same thing is not. So I've used introvert and the, the characteristic of an introvert to my advantage, especially when coding and building technical products or doing a side project, because as an introvert, it's a lot of introspective thinking and it helps me focus when I'm doing one thing. So that's just one example. Is an introvert creating, creating quiet time to focus on a single project. Another way of using being an introvert to, as a positive is once I started understanding being an introvert, it helped me process how and why I'm thinking a certain way and catch myself if I'm going too deep into a scenario that I may not be going, that may not be reality. What I observe and part of, I believe, uh, as an introvert is a lot of inward thinking. This could be good and bad because we have to mind, be mindful of our thoughts. So, for example, here's a business situation where I'm trying to do a partnership with a company and I have a great meeting, now I may go on a walk and as an introvert, I may like, think about the possibilities or, you know, or start self-reflecting like what I could have done better on a call or in the meeting. And as an introvert, to be mindful of those thoughts because I can start introspectively thinking that I've done a good job, done a bad job, or I could have improved and beat yourself up. So, so um, I think there's good and bad examples of introvertness, but if we use it to a positive, I think it could be a superpower. I agree. I'm just like you, like I'm an introvert, but I actually enjoy getting in front of people and talking. And, and the other aspect of it uh, is I've learned about being an introvert is that has really helped me in, in group meetings is being able to speak up if the conversation is moving too fast. And that doesn't mean I'm intellectually slow. That just means that if we had a dialogue, there was a group of meetings, say there's six of us in there, and we were talking about one particular project and everybody's going around the room giving their feedback. And as everybody's going around getting feedback and thinking about it, thinking about it, and 
I may be thinking about all the possible outcomes as an introvert. I may be thinking about this scenario, that scenario, and I'm not intellectually ready to move to the next conversation. So I need to speak up about that to make sure I'm clearly understanding the possibilities of the outcome or processing everything before I need to move on. And so I had to take last two years, I had to embrace that and start speaking up for myself to, to make sure that I'm on the same page as everyone because my mind is, is processing these different outcome scenarios. That doesn't mean I'm slow. That means actually means I could be thinking about things more in depth than other people are. Uh, they're just not speaking up or they're afraid to. Yes, exactly. Wayne, I read an article you wrote on, on LinkedIn last year that talked about imposter syndrome. I'm reading on like, how in the world does Wayne Sun have imposter syndrome? So I'm thinking like, you know, I just want to thank you for sharing that. I think that's really huge for people to read that, that people even of your caliber still have imposter syndrome. Yeah, well, well thank you. Um, I think you said my caliber. I'm thinking I'm, I process myself as, you know, I'm just a human guy from North Carolina and that took risks on life and entrepreneurship. We love technology and want to see technology used to create a better life for everyone. This is a geek, you know, nerd, and I value my experiences. But in this tech industry, in San Francisco, in Silicon Valley, it is far more emotional than I can ever imagine than I thought it would be. You know, I was drinking in Kool-Aid before I moved out here six, seven years ago, and I literally thought, like, okay, everybody was out here with the same agenda that really wanted to, like, build a cool product, really wanted to do things good for the world, really was wanting to, like, do the next flying car or, you know, the, the next whatever, right? But what I, I learned that there's a lot of that, yes, but it's issues also so much fueled by capitalism and also pattern matching. And once I started to really pull back the levels of the dynamics of the tech industry, and it's not just tech industry, but it's like, you know, all business, business you know, most businesses of how much is this relationship based by categories of networks and nodes of identity that if you don't fit in one of those categories that you can be rejected and you take it in consideration of the, how we have elevated who and what a role model looks like in tech in terms of success. I don't fit any of those categories. I haven't worked for a big you know, tech company. I haven't raised millions of dollars for a single startup. Uh, even though I have raised millions of dollars um, for various projects over the years, I didn't do a good job of tracking all the deal flow and the relationships that I have created connected to uh, money outcomes. I have helped founders raise million dollars through introductions and referrals. But I don't. I, I never went on like put on my LinkedIn or my resume or blogged about like I Wayne Sutton had helped twenty entrepreneurs raise forty million dollars. Even though I've done that. Right. And so, but that is part of the system here is part of the dynamic of storytelling, which I get and understand. And, but that's not part of my identity and how I like to do things. And so you take all of that and understand like, this is how this ecosystem works. And then I'm part of a notice ecosystem. And then you realize that if I want to get to another level, I got to change who I am and how I am. And, I, and that started creating this imposter syndrome of like, I don't belong. Or I'm not good enough. And then when you when you look at all the other factors that could be a variable, such as my age, my race, my, my gender, uh, where I come from, I didn't go to Ivy League school. If you let those narratives over time start to play in your head, you start telling yourself you're not good enough. And you start thinking that there's something wrong with you. 
And, you know, I've been in meetings with CEOs and executives and they're just and, and VCs and people who are worth billion dollars. And they're just like me, they're humans. Sometimes they may treat you well, sometimes they don't. And if you do your best or even at the time you do the, the best you can emotionally, and intellectually, you have to process that, okay, you may not get the outcome you want, but I deserve to be in the room. I you know, deserve a partnership. I deserve, I, I'm good enough. And if you don't process that interaction well, it can create imposter syndrome. And I've been in and out of depression and imposter syndrome has played a role in that. And fortunate enough, I have you know, great therapists, great friends, a great wife, a great family, great support network to help me realize when you go into situations and also the strength to get out of it. That's great, Wayne. Thanks for sharing that. Wayne, what advice do you have for a brand new software developer who's looking for the first position? I always say advice for a software developer looking for the first position is be more than the code. Now I say be more than the code because we in the tech industry has been pushing so much about coding, coding, engineering, developer. Know your craft, know your skill well. But for my observation, trying to get that first job has been less about the technical skills and more about the, the human people skills. Because if you can get past the hiring manager or the recruiter and the person likes you at that organization, they believe you can do the job. You know, you can, or you may not be good enough or right there where they want you to be. But if they like you, they want to work you and they believe you're good enough or they, or, or they can hang out with you, spend time with you or, or you're coachable. Those are the soft people skills. The, your likability factor. Now, I'm not saying that it's right or it's wrong, but from my observation, that is the area you need to focus on. And then if you get in the door, they're going to invest time, people, resources into you so you can become the best developer you can be for that role. Thanks, Wayne. That's great advice. Wayne, next, can you talk about telling you were successful in the past, what you learned from the success, and what our listeners can learn from the success? The reason I pause, yes, and the reason I pause on that is because I, I – have a hard time processing success. I think it's part of imposter syndrome. I think it's part of like being grateful at the same time because I always looking for the, the next thing and I have these like big vision goals and things I want to do, have an impact in the world and, and I take a step back and be like, no, just be grateful. And so I would say success, you know, my, my co-founder and wife, Melinda Epler and I, we work together. We want those like couples that do a lot together, have fun, be happy. It can it can work. And we started off in 2014 planning the first Tech Inclusion Conference in San Francisco. And we thought it was going to be a one-time thing. And, it, you know, three or four years later, we're still doing Tech Inclusion Conference. We've been to, I think, 16 cities around the world, two or two overseas, but all these cities across America. Maybe not that many, but 16. We've been in a lot of cities. and. The fact that we have been able to work with so many companies in Seattle, Detroit, Austin, Nashville, Tennessee, New York, San Francisco, West Bend, I said Detroit, here in the Bay Area, we've been in so many cities, work with so many companies, and still doing it this year, this, you know, a couple years later, not only shows that it was successful, and it has been successful, but there's clearly a need to continue to have opportunities to convene and educate people around solutions to diversity, inclusion, and tech. And the biggest thing I've learned from all of that is, you know, one is the partnerships 
and relationship is key, is valuable. Without those, nothing happens. And two is listening to what people need. I think that's truly key to like business, to life, to partnerships, relationships, to anything is, you know, we have our agenda, we have our goals, which take inclusion, what change counts, how we want to like work with government organizations, work with ecosystem leaders, um, work with tech companies, work with investor community. We have our goal. We, we feel like we have a good blueprint of how to create change. Everybody also have questions and also have their, what they feel like is a solution as well. And it's not about getting what we want. It's not about getting what they want. It's finding like what works best for the both of us. And we have literally talked to hundreds of, of people uh, from CEOs to recruiters to engineering managers to people working on product. Every single person has a different opportunity and different challenge of how they want to make an impact in terms of their culture that is connected to diversity and inclusion. Because everybody thinks it's like, oh, it's one big thing. No, it's so many little things. And so that's part of the, the big uh, learning lessons from, I would say, success of doing the work at Change Counts. Wayne, next, the follow-up question. Can you talk about a time that you feel in the past, the lessons you learned and the lessons that we can learn from this? I would say the biggest failure, and I keep saying I'm going to write an article about this. I think it's like one of my next kind of like let go articles <laughs> is in 20, before, in 2014, 2013, 2014, I wanted to raise a venture fund. I didn't, I really didn't know what I was doing. I had some success from some other projects I was doing. I had some money saved about six months, about a year saved for, you know, for, you know didn't need to work. And I was like, I'm going to raise a venture fund. I wasn't ready. I didn't surround myself with the right people to help educate myself around what's needed to raise a venture fund. And I didn't teach myself enough to like know what's all needed to raise a venture fund. And I wasn't ready to be a good leader. I recruited two amazing, smart black women to be co-founders to, to raise a fund who were way more qualified and experienced. Uh, I was in, in finance, M&A, and I wasn't ready to lead. And I wasn't focused enough. And I did feel like I did a, a decent job of going out in the community, meeting with tons of people, listening to various individuals' feedback on how to structure the fund at the time and how much you need to raise. But I would say that I was not in a position and was not intellectually, emotionally ready to make hard choices to do it how I think it should have been done at that time. And so I was listening to too much feedback, needed more time in terms of money, in terms of runway. And I failed at it. And it took me a long time to get over that. But looking back on now is one of the greatest failures and life lessons I would take with me ever. And I'm still happy I did it. I still wish I would make different decisions. But yet the one thing you have to let go. And so I would say, you know, lessons from it is do more homework, surround yourself with the best possible mentors, advisors for success. And even though the world can be telling you to go in this direction for the outcome you want. Sometimes you got to say no and follow your own intuition. Yes, definitely. Great advice. Wayne, next, can you tell us about someone who's helped you in the past and how they helped you? Well, a lot of people helped me out. I'm going to say someone, the first name that came to my mind is uh, a friend of mine named Eric Davison. I don't say his name enough, but Eric has been my friend since I moved to San Francisco in 20, well, I first came to Mountain View in 2011. 
that I officially moved to San Francisco in 2012. And a lot of people's journey to San Francisco and to the Bay Area and Tech, coming from across the world, coming across the country, is usually like, yeah, you move, you sleep on someone's couch, you get a job in tech, you know, get your own place, and then you like on your way. And that has been some of my story. Like when I first moved from North Carolina to uh, San Francisco, I was going through a divorce, sold all my things, I had some money saved. I was running an incubator accelerator at a time that I co-founded. And, you know, rent, was, rent in San Francisco is not what it is today, but it still was expensive. And it, like, yeah, come stay here, come crash with me. And um, we get you going. And Eric has been my friend since then. And uh, we go to movies today. We still talk. We still catch up. We still entrepreneurs. And um, I can't say enough about Eric. We've done we done 5K races, the 10K races together last year. So um, just a great human being, great guy who I can't thank enough. That's great. We all need people like that on our lives. Wayne, this is off subject, but do you happen to know a Stephen Madley of SM Diversity up here in Seattle? Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah, he just ran a great uh, Hack Diversity Inclusive event up here about a week ago. And myself and a friend of mine, Charlie Willis, we, we kind of co-led the breakout session of Better Dick's Next and Hiring. It's a really, really good event. So I just want to give a shout out to him real fast. Nice. Yeah, he's a good guy. Good guy. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, we worked with them on Take Inclusion Seattle last year. And he also uh, came down for a Take Inclusion conference in San Francisco last year, too. Wayne, I understand you have a book to recommend for our listeners. The book is Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking by Susan Cain. It's an amazing book. It's a book that you will enjoy if you, even if you're not an introvert because of the stories and the research that she's done around understanding how we think as humans and, and how we live as introverts. Thanks, Wayne. Wayne, I also understand you have something for our listeners. Yeah, so we're doing a Tech Inclusion Conference in San Francisco in New York this year. And if you use the code CANVASHR, um, you get a half off of the corporate ticket. So um, the code's not set up yet, but give me about a day and CANVASHR will be the code for half off the corporate ticket at Tech Inclusion Conference New York in San Francisco. And what are the dates for those, those events? Tech Inclusion New York is June 27th. And Tech Inclusion in San Francisco is October the 15th through the 17th. Thanks, Wayne. Wayne, can you share your social media uh, platforms for yourself and your company so people can reach out to you? Yes. So for the company, Change Callus, um, our website is changecallus.co. So it's .co. Tech Inclusion is techinclusion.co. Our Twitter handles is Change Callus and Tech Inclusion Co. on Twitter. And just type in uh, Tech Inclusion on Facebook and Change Callus on Facebook and LinkedIn and our pages and groups will come up. Find me almost on any social network as Wayne Sutton and I'm happy to be connected with you. I will say that on Facebook, I did off, did turn off friend requests because that was getting out of control for a while. So, sorry. Thanks, Wayne. Wayne, we're coming to the end of a talk. Can you provide any last minute awards of advice or wisdom to our listeners on any subject you'd like to cover? I would say just what's been top of my mind in 2018 is looking at the state of the world, looking at the state of politics, looking at the state of tech and this work in diversity inclusion, and looking at the platforms that we use in our day-to-day lives, I would suggest and ask everyone to take a step back and one, process their own values as what they think is good for the world, and then process how they think about life and society and this planet as a good human for everyone, regardless of any characteristics of identity. And lastly, 
as an entrepreneur or someone working tech, ask yourself what you are building. Is that building a platform? Is that building the technical skills? Is that building a community? Is that building your brand? Is that building a social network following? Um, is that building content? Is that building a way to help others? Ask yourself, what are you building today as a giving back? Thank you, Wayne. That's great advice. Wayne, thank you for being a guest on the podcast. I really appreciate it. You're a busy person doing great things. And I just thank you one more time for your time. Awesome, Jason. Thank, thanks for having me. And this is great. And I'm uh, looking forward to doing this again one day. Yes. To our listeners, thank you for your time as well. Remember to be great every day. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Kavnis HR. For more exclusive content, as well as your free copy of HR Laws, be sure to visit KavnisHR.com or connect with us on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and Facebook at Kavnis HR. Thanks again, and be great every day.